Hello, my good friends. Mike Shreve here, founder and head troublemaker of the No Pants Project. You are listening to episode 30 of the No Pants Show. Today, we're going to be talking about why your prospects don't seem to have any money and what to do about it. If you're on Upwork or Freelancer or you're doing cold outreach or you're building your email list or whatever you're doing to get clients to come talk to you, trying to get client contracts, and you find that they consistently seem to not have any money. They consistently seem to not be able to afford you. They consistently want to haggle. They always want to lowball whatever you're doing or they balk at the price. So you tell them how much something is and they basically run away. They ghost you. This episode is going to give you some tips and tricks here on how to deal with that. Because one of the big mistakes that a lot of service providers and freelancers make is they assume that the people that they're talking to represent the market. In other words, if they talk to a bunch of people that don't have any money, they think to themselves, well, I guess that's what the market is. And that can be unbelievably discouraging. If you think that the big wide ocean of the market is made up of more of the same kind of people that you've been talking to, it's no wonder you feel hopeless about your business. That would be a depressing way to try and build a business. Because here's the reality of the situation. You're not going to hear this from any kind of hardcore closer sales trainer. If somebody doesn't have money, they don't have money. Like there's no magic trick that, you know, there's no line in a sales script you can say where if they don't have money, all of a sudden you say it and now they check their bank account and they're like, oh my gosh, you know what? Uh, just There was $5,000 just popped in because of what you just said. If they don't have money, they don't have money. That's like a mechanics issue, not a mindset issue. The problem, however, is that if you're talking to a bunch of people who don't have money and you assume that's the market, you're making a mistake. Because if you are talking to a prospect, it's because you either attracted or instigated the conversation. Either way, you are talking to people who you brought in to the conversation. It's not a measure of the market. It's a measure of your marketing. Let me see if I can say this clearly. If you don't like who you're talking to, it's not that the market is broken. If you don't like who you're talking to, what you need to look at is the mechanism you're using to start the conversation. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you are really into metal, music, right? Uh, And you consider yourself a metalhead. 
if you want to attract other people like you, you do certain things. You go to concerts with other people like you. You wear certain clothes that broadcast the kind of stuff you're into. Maybe it could be as simple as a shirt that has your favorite band. Or it could be the full regalia. You speak about certain things that other metalheads are into. And what happens is people who like those same things will be attracted to you. And people who don't like those same things will be repelled. But here's the important part. What you wear, where you go, what you say, those are all conscious choices that you make with an end goal of attracting a certain type of person. A lot of people do what I call unconscious marketing, which is when they're out there trying to get clients, they don't make the conscious choice of, if I say this, who's going to be most attracted to what I'm saying? Is it going to be someone with money? Or is it going to be somebody without money? Instead, they just chase vanity metrics. For example, if you write a blog post in an attempt to attract your dream client, and that blog post says something like 21 free ways to get XYZ, don't be surprised If a bunch of people read that, see the word free, see that you offer low-cost, no-cost solutions to their problem, and then don't be surprised when they get on the call and they balk when you say, oh yeah, it costs $5,500 to get started with my service. You were broadcasting something very different than you actually were. That would be like dressing up as an evangelist going to people's houses like you're doing the door knocking thing. And when they open up, and they themselves may also have the similar religious belief as you, they smile, say, come on in, and then you start shredding metal guitar. Don't be surprised if they kick you out of the house. You presented yourself as one way when really you were something else.
a lot of the friction that comes from conversations where you want to charge good money and they don't want to spend any money comes from how you have presented yourself differently than what you are. So we need to correct this. And there's three things that you can do to correct this. It's not the only three things. But there are three good starting points. And to teach you this, I want to share with you sort of a metaphor. One of my favorite things to do with my son is to take him up into the Cascade Mountains and go backpacking. You know, it's little day trips or two or three day trips. And one of the things that we love to do is to catch our own fish and, uh, uh, you know, eat our dinner with the fish that we caught. I'm at a stage right now where I'm teaching him how to be a good fisherman. It's interesting to me, because he's only six years old, to watch his process of fishing versus mine and to see why my experience has made me a significantly better fisherman than my son's than my son, even though my son loves fishing, wants to be good at it, and loves the end result. So he and I both share a passion of eating food outside in the woods because there's no better tasting food than food you've cooked over a fire that you caught yourself at high elevation in the woods. I've been to lots of fancy restaurants you, you you can't make an argument to me about how there's anything better tasting than eating food outside in the woods, especially if you caught it yourself. Okay, so he knows that catching a fish is, is great. You as a freelancer know having a good client is awesome. The problem is you likely think more like my son when he is fishing than an experienced fisherman. So let me break this down to show you the thought patterns so that you can see what you are able to adjust. And these are quick adjustments that you can make to start presenting yourself as the person who might not be cheap. So that when people show up to your conversations, however you get them there, whether it's through content or email or uh, cold outreach, whatever you're doing to get clients, when they show up, they don't have these expectations that it's going to be free. They're not trying to constantly haggle you and downplay your value. First thing, when my son and I go camping, I, and in this process, I'm, I'm teaching him how to be a fisherman. One of the things I like to do recently is to let him select the lure and the bait because I want him to learn a very important lesson. And it is, the fish don't care what you like. So my son, when he selects a lure or selects the bait, his parameters for making the choice are what he likes. That one looks cool, Dad. Can we do that one? 
well, I don't know, son, this isn't really the one that we know works. Yeah, but it looks really cool. Can we try that? Okay, let's try it. Put it on his fishing pole. He casts and casts and casts. And either we catch the wrong fish or we catch nothing at all. Even though, because I've been going to the Cascade since 1996, even though there's historical precedents, which is to say we know what works for certain types of lures and baits at certain lakes, my son chose to do what he wanted to do instead of what we know the fish want. A lot of freelancers are out there right now, A, trying to reinvent the wheel instead of relying on what has historically been proven to work for catching certain types of clients. Or B, they are creating attraction mechanisms for themselves, not for who they want to attract in their business. This podcast, for example, when I sit down to create it, I'm not creating it for me. If I were to sit down and create a podcast for myself, we would be talking about how to become a better CEO, leadership, systems optimization at a high level, scaling from seven to eight figures. Like, this is not a podcast where I'm trying to attract people like me, meaning where I am at in my business. I'm certainly trying to attract people who have similar ideas, similar belief systems, who want to be able to build a business without being gross and smarmy, who want to have lifestyle flexibility. Those elements are true, yes, but I'm not trying to attract people into the no pants project who are at a certain or at at similar uh, income levels or experience that I have in my business. A lot of freelancers make the mistake of saying, I'm new in business. I'm a small business. Therefore, I'll go attract new small businesses as clients. And then what's the result? Most new small businesses don't have liquid cash to be able to pay higher prices. So you're talking to people that you've attracted that don't have money. You want the big fish but you're writing an article that says something like 21 ways to do something for free. And then you're wondering why people show up to your phone calls wanting free information. The first thing you have to do to attract who you want to attract is to be mindful and cognizant of 
what your dream client actually wants. And then to build that into your attraction mechanism, not necessarily what you want or what's interesting to you. So let me be clear about this. Maybe right now in your business, a free method to get clients is super interesting to you. But if you go write a blog post or you go do a podcast about it or you go do a this and a that and an etc. Send out your daily emails. Don't be surprised when the people who respond to it are not the people who can afford you. So take a good look at what you're putting out and ask yourself, does, what kind of person does this attract? Have I chosen the right lure? Have I chosen the right bait? Thing number two, my son is a very sweet kid. And whenever he gets a bite on the line, on his line, so when he has his own little fishing pole, whenever he gets a bite on that fishing pole, he doesn't like pulling back. He doesn't like reeling the fish in. It really bothers him to do that process. Even though he really wants to eat the fish, he really wants to um, have the the experience of the dinner and etc. etc. He just really doesn't like that that process of reeling the fish in. Many freelancers, many service providers, give off similar vibes. And what happens, let me explain this, if you're in a conversation with someone and they get the feeling that you aren't going to press for more information, that you aren't going to challenge their beliefs, that you aren't going to take surface-level answers as surface-level answers, oftentimes the way that they will escape from a conversation is by saying, I can't afford it. In other words, fish don't just jump out of the lake into our frying pan. There is work involved in reeling a client in. People say and mean two different things all the time. You ask someone, how are you doing? I'm fine. Really what they mean is, I just had one of the worst days ever, but I don't really want to talk to you right now. Saying and meaning two different things. It's one of the fascinating things about language, particularly the hu- these, like our the humanity of our language. 
Do not assume that because someone says, I can't afford it, or because someone says, can you do it cheaper, or because someone says, um, can you throw in 50 other things and can I ask you to do it? Don't assume that that's what they mean. It's a big mistake when freelancers take that at face value. Because when someone says, I don't have the money, and that's what they actually mean, there isn't anything you can do. You can't just magically make money appear in their bank account. But I'm telling you, after 10 years, that is hardly what they mean. Oftentimes, they'll hear your pitch. They'll listen to you saying what you're going to provide. And they'll think about it or they'll just react to a gut reaction. And their initial reaction is, I do not want that at all. They've made a micro decision. But because they themselves don't have the internal fortitude to speak the truth, they prefer to tell white lies One of the white lies they may say is, wow, that sounds really cool, but you know, it's just outside of my budget right now. Sorry. So you could be talking to people right now who are using price as an excuse and it has nothing to do with price at all. What they're saying is, I don't really want what you just said. So the antidote to this To get people to tell you the truth is to reel them in. And like my son, I have empathy and understanding for him. He's a sweet little kid. He doesn't like the struggle of having to reel the fish in. That's what you have to do sometimes with clients. And it sometimes is uncomfortable. Here's how uncomfortable it can be. Let's say, for example, someone says, it sounds really, really great, but you know what? I just can't really afford it right now, and I don't, you know, so sorry, I'm just not going to be able to afford it. A lot of freelancers, they stop there. Here's what a freelancer who gets to a point where they feel comfortable to reel a client in says. They say, well, if money were no object, would you hire me? Would you buy this service? That question can feel uncomfortable. To both parties, because essentially what you've done is you've asked them to tell the truth, which means if they haven't been telling the truth, now they have to. And it makes some people uncomfortable to get caught in a lie. But let's say that you you ask this question. Hey, okay, I understand. If money were no object, would you still be interested though in, in, in what I'm doing? Or if money were no object, is there any other reason why you wouldn't buy from me? It's not to trick them into all of a sudden having money. If they don't really have money, they would say, 
you know, they would say, oh my gosh, no. Like, I literally just don't have the money. But what you'll find more often is they will say as a response, well, I mean, I mean, even if money was no object, like one of the things I, I don't really like about what you said was, et cetera, and et cetera. Now you've gotten to the truth. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't surface level. It was an honest and intimate conversation, probably with a stranger. But this changes the dynamic when you refuse to let clients, here comes the punchline, off the hook. A good fisherman doesn't just cut the line the second someone bites and doesn't jump out of the water into the frying pan. A good fisherman realizes that reeling the fish in is not just a part of the process, it's the process. So this is why I say people coming in and saying they don't have money, that's not a measure of the market. It might just be people telling you that because they know they can get out of having to tell you the truth. If you become a person who doesn't let people lie to you and you're okay with asking questions to find the truth, you will find the truth. And you can use that to refine what it is you offer. You can use it to refine who you should be talking to and etc. Number three, my son, who is a beautifully patient child, there was a study done, I think it was by Stanford some time ago, called the marshmallow test. Basically what they did is they took a bunch of kids. They said, you can have one marshmallow now, or if you wait 10, 15 minutes, you can have two marshmallows later. They found that the kids who could wait 10 to 15 minutes ended up being significantly more successful in life. Like, radically more successful. Delayed gratification is powerful in building a business. My son wants the fish now. So he is he is a two marshmallow kid, nine times out of ten, but when it comes to being in the woods, he'd rather go pick up sticks and throw rocks than sit there with a fishing pole for 20, 30, 40 minutes, an hour, two hours, five hours, however long we fish. Totally get it. However, a good fisherman is an expert in delayed gratification Not just because they sit there patiently waiting, but they sit there patiently waiting with the hook in the water and they're willing to catch and release 
until they find the fish that's right for them. So my son, if he catches a fish, regardless of what it is, in his mind, fishing's over, let's eat dinner. But me, having fished for a long time, I know that if you can catch a fish, you can catch more fish. And if you're picky and you can just delay instant gratification, you can get a better fish. One of the attraction methods that is very effective is learning to say no and not being afraid to over-communicate your standards. You may have noticed in several of the past podcast episodes, I have specifically mentioned that the No Pants Project coaching and mentoring program, which is the core product of this company, is not cheap. If you've been on my email list, you know that there are certain behaviors that I will write an entire email about to make it publicly known I don't tolerate those behaviors. It's not me being ego-driven and give me applause and I'm posturing and trying to be aggressive and Look how big my whatever is and, you know, all that stuff. Okay? That's not what that's about. Instead, it is a practice of attraction. It is the practice of saying... Here is what I'm waiting for. And here's everything I don't want. One of my favorite marketing methods and attraction methods, which to be honest, I don't do nearly enough in the No Pants Project, but which I could do more of for sure. I I do a lot of it in my freelancing business is being radically clear in my own mind about what I don't want and then taking one of two pathways. The first pathway is a direct pathway. And you've seen some people in the world of marketing take this pathway. I personally don't recommend this pathway. I don't do it myself. But the pathway is if you know what you don't want... triple down on calling those things out. So for example, there are some people in an attempt to avoid working with people who are unable to or unwilling to invest will say some pretty nasty things 
about people who don't have the ability to invest. What that does is if you don't have the ability to invest, you're going to steer clear of their business because they're very rude about it. That's one way you can use this style of marketing. I don't recommend it. Unless, of course, you are doing so for what I would consider justifiable reasons. So, for example, one thing I can't stand are people who lie. So every once in a while, I'll go pretty hard in my email list. Uh, If you're a liar or a scam artist or that kind of thing, please get off my email list. I don't want to do business with you. But there's a better way, and I think it's a higher way, to achieve the same end result without having to deal with all the drama of, you know, basically being a drama queen in how you uh, create this end result. If you know what you don't want, you have a list of things never to attract, which makes the list of things you should be saying pretty small pretty quickly. It's this idea of creativity loves constraints. So the constraints are, let me make a list of all the things I don't want. I can talk about everything inside that box. So for example, if I don't want people who want to take advantage of my time for free, I could A, just harp on those people. And there's some marketers right now who will like, take somebody's screenshot and blast it on the internet and say, isn't this guy such an idiot he wanted to do free? I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think a better way to do it would be to be open about how expensive it is to buy my time. In other words, the second way of communicating what you don't want is to be radically honest. Too many people in their marketing, in their attempts to attract a client, lie by accident. They say, we'll help anyone, but that's not really what they mean. What they really mean is we'll help anyone who can afford a $5,000 a month service. So be honest. Don't lie. We work with small businesses. Really? All small businesses? That's a lot of different types of businesses that you... Okay, well, not exactly all small businesses. We work with businesses... Ah, see, that's the truth. Radical honesty in who you work with will change who you attract. 
the more honest you can become. And that honesty starts internally with who do I actually want to work with? And then it transitions outward. So take a look at what you've been doing to attract the people that you've been talking to up to this point as prospects. Number one, have you chosen the right bait? Or did you choose a bait that you thought was cool? Number two, do you cut the line anytime a client just gives a little wiggle? Or do you practice the art of reeling the fish in? By asking for honesty from the person you're having the conversation with. And number three, are you yourself being patient, practicing delayed gratification through radical honesty in who you want to work with, understanding that by doing so, There's going to be a lot of fish, a lot of little fish that slip through your fingers and being okay with that, knowing that what you're ultimately doing is waiting for the right fish. That's it, my dear friends. Those are three things that you can do right now to change who it is that you are attracting into your business. You don't have to keep attracting the same people that you've been attracting. But change only comes after you change things. So this may have been a fun listen but it's useless without taking action. I recommend that you do so. If you need help in taking that action, we have a not cheap coaching and mentoring program that is truly, honestly, radically honest, probably only good for people who are pretty committed and pretty serious to make these kinds of shifts in their business so that we can help you to raise your fees, help you to automate your client getting process so that you're only attracting the people who actually have the money to spend on what you do, and to add some passive income so that you can have a life. Or more importantly, a little side note about the passive income, when you have alternatives for people who aren't qualified, It helps to refine the qualification process. As I said, the three things we talked about here are just the tip of the iceberg of what can be accomplished to refine who it is that you're talking to and you're prospecting as a service provider and freelancer. If you want help, if you want to talk to one of my people, if you'd like to work with me and a team 
of other mentors and coaches in a proven program. It's not going to be a cheap investment, but it will be a worthwhile investment. We would love to help you to achieve the ability to attract exactly who you want to work with and to do it in such a way that it is significantly easier, more fluid, less friction than what you're doing right now. If you'd like us to help you, please go to the nopantsproject.com. Be able to watch some case studies as well as book a time to chat with one of my people. They will be brutally honest as well. It's part of our policy. If you're not a good fit, we're not going to work with you. If you are a good fit, we will welcome you with open arms and you will have more support than you likely have had in your entire freelancing or service-based career up to this point. And you'll have lifetime access to that support as well. Again, that's the nopantsproject.com. My name is Mike Shreve. I am the founder and head troublemaker of the No Pants Project. This has been episode 30 of the No Pants Show, Why Your Prospects Seem to Never Have Any Money and What to Do to Fix It. I'll see you tomorrow.